Hello and welcome to the What Were You Thinking podcast brought to you with Vestia Collective and hosted by me, Henry Holland, who you may know as the guy who put Flicky Bean on a t-shirt. You're welcome. Before we get started, I just want you to know that this podcast is not about my guests' fashion fails. It's all about the fashion moments that have shaped their lives professionally and personally. Like Kylie Minogue and those gold hot pants, or Rod Stewart and one of his iconic silk shirts, or even J-Lo and that Versace dress. Every single one of us has their own personal fashion history that's helped inform important moments and times in their lives. And we want to know how, why, and really though, what were you thinking? Don't forget we've got some exclusive behind the scenes stuff on our Instagram page. So make sure you check it out at What Were You Thinking Podcast on Instagram. And I've even joined TikTok at WWYT underscore podcast. Bite me like a black widow, Beth Ditto. With a career spanning more than 15 years in the entertainment industry, through which Beth Ditto has become as recognised for her work and creative contributions to the world of fashion as she has for her successful career in music. Firstly, as the front woman of the punk band The Gossip, and more recently, as an amazing solo artist. She's been described before as a ferocious feminist, whatever that means. And for me, she's a queer icon for a whole generation of glorious misfits. Projecting a message of acceptance, openness and inclusivity with a real give-a-fuck sensibility about this messed up world that we live in. We first met amongst the tables of a load of pissed up fat cat record execs at the Brits in 2007 when I climbed a barrier and hand delivered her an outfit in a paper bag that I'd made for her to wear for the after party. And her genuine warmth and open hearted nature was as evident in that moment as it always is whenever we see each other, wherever in the world that may be. She's a total legend and with a voice I could listen to for days and a point of view on the world that inspires so many, me included. And I'm so excited today to be talking to Beth Ditto. Hi, Beth. Hi, y'all. I know you as being so kind of um, knowledgeable about the power of fashion and, you know, you've done your own collections and you've designed and, like, you've used it so much throughout your life to really portray yourself in the way that you want to be seen. And I feel like you really get the power of it in that way do you remember like when you first understood the power of fashion when you were younger like growing up when did that relationship start it's funny because like fashion I don't associate myself with fashion really I really enjoy it but I always like I feel like what I'm drawn to is um sincerity and when things aren't sincere I'm really drawn to why they aren't sincere. I like the way things work. I don't know. So what I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think that when I was a kid, my sister and I used to play pageant because I grew up in the South. And so like, it was like, she wanted to be a pageant kid so bad. And I was like, as a fat kid, you always accepted that you would never be one. You know, like you just, it was like, it didn't even, it didn't hurt my feelings or anything. It was just like, I just accepted that wasn't my reality. And my sister was like thin and blonde. Did your weight play a part in your kind of understanding of fashion from really early on? Like, did you have to just look at it in a different way? It wasn't until like I discovered punk 
that I started to kind of develop this like snotty attitude towards fashion. But as a teenager, like I remember my best friend who's like, such a raging homo and now we're still close and like like he got kicked out of his house and had to move to philadelphia but he was obsessed with neiman marcus i mean this shit was not in our reality at all like <laughs> we didn't even have cable you know like mtv was outlawed in our town i was always drawn to eccentric characters i think because i identified with them like when there's just this, an acceptance of something that you're just like well that's never gonna be me and i never got sad about it yeah i always was like what can i do then like, it made my brain work. It was just like, okay, then. Well, it wasn't like, fuck that. It was like, well, that's not going to work. So Cindy Lauper, you know, like, and Boy George was a really big influence on me as a little kid, Culture Club. I read that when you saw your first John Waters movie, you were like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I do this. So th and that's being a teen. Yeah. But even younger than that, you know, oh, I was going to say about my gay friend, Ricky, who's amazing. He used to say, <laughs> I'm going to drink your bath water. He was so amazing. He's so cool. But he was like, we were both obsessed with Todd Oldham. Uh, I love Todd Oldham's shows. I used to sit and watch Todd Oldham's shows. And What Franny Wore. Have you seen the Instagram account What Franny Wore from that um, that sitcom? Uh-uh. Oh, my God. I'm going to send it to you after Okay, that. good. Yes, I'd love that. It was even younger than that, I think, that I was more into like, you know, like I said, like, can you hear that vape? It's the dishwasher. I just want to make sure you can't hear it. It fucking drives me crazy. It's like, it's done. I'm like, I know you're done when the dishes are clean. It was, it started for me at a really young age from necessity and being creative. And, but also like MTV was banned in my town because it was so Christian and it was run by Christ, this Christian college. And so. How did they get control of the airwaves? How did they ban it in like a specific town? Because it was cable. Remember, like, I don't know. Like uh. it, it had to be the same in the UK. Like you only had MTV if you had cable TV. Yeah, that was true. But I didn't know that you could control it by like towns like that specific. The one cable company in our town refused to carry it. It was like the, our bookstore was a Christian bookstore. Like you, if you wanted to see like probably even Sassy Magazine was behind the counter like no gay like it was I mean it was the 90s but you know I was born in 81 my mom was a young mom my mom's 24 and she had me so think about like probably it was banned in around 85 and like Thriller had come out in 83 Cindy Lauper girls just want to have fun culture club like all of these things those were the things that got it was like I had three really formative years of being locked into that with this like young mom hip mom and then <laughs> cut off so those were my images of pop culture that stuck with me forever you know right everything else was just kind of a watered down vh1 version of that until grunge came along how did you manage to access it when grunge came along then punk rock was so you know it's like there's the documentary the year punk broke you know it's all about how like all of a sudden punk was pop music not pop punk, but all of a sudden, like Nirvana was a punk band. You know, they were top 40. They were number one. Sonic Youth. And you, people were talking about bands like Bikini Killers, L7, you know, Hole. It's like grunge wasn't really, we're not talking like Pearl Jam, which is, I loved. But we're talking about punks, like real fucking weird, weird people. But like that, at that point, I kind of like dissed fashion. I was distanced myself from fashion. I mean, there's even points when like, the last time I saw Kate Moss was a few years ago in London and she was like, you've said some really mean things about me. And I was like, did I? <laughs> and I was like, I bet I did. What, publicly? Um, Probably things about like anti-fashion because okay. 
instead of what I learned about fashion, just being thrown into it all of a sudden, like fashion, you know, was that um, it was so anti-feminist to be, to think that models weren't working people and had autonomy over their bodies. And it was so fucked up of me to be judgmental of an entire, you know, when at the same time I'm involved in the music industry, which is, has way less gay people and way less women in it. You know, and I learned, like, I was just like, fashion is way more fun. I was really close-minded because punk loves to be elitist and judgmental. You know, it likes to think, it's like punk, I really think punk is a, there's a part of it that just is like, yeah. It's about rejecting things, like rejecting the system, rejecting the order, rejecting anything that people tell you is right. So it's kind of, it's kind of in its nature. But every designer I know, I'm going to say 95% of them, unless they were like fucking in Karl Lagerfeld, but even in his own right, he's really punk. Unless it's like everyone I know came from some kind of version of a punk outsider background, even the rich ones. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, like even the people who were born rich, like when you talk to them, they have like an outsider view of things. And like it really took me a long time, not a long time, but it took me being like in it and around it to realize that like I was like, actually, this is more outsider culture by far yeah. than like than music than music like music is just like you know what's you know what's not fun is being sitting around this bunch of suits like white men in suits that's really what it is they seriously sit around and talk about how hip they are and that they're trying constantly trying to prove to you how hip they are and you're like i don't give a shit can we t-? i was like not in a mean way but you're like <laughs> look i believe that you're hip you don't have to prove shit to me you're a billionaire you know what i mean <laughs> Or I'm just like, let's talk about your mom's favorite cake recipe. I'd re- like, I'm much like, let's get to the meat of this. What is your favorite casserole? You know, like, what can I crochet for your mother to win her over? What? Yes. What do you think we would get along? And if so, <laughs> when can I meet her? Going back to those white men in suits. So like when you when you started out in the gossip and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you signed the deal for the first time, did anybody sit you down and talk about the image? And, you know, was it constructed in any way? Did you, th- or was that something you thought about? You know, I didn't know that was real, Henry. Really? I didn't know that was a real thing. And no idea. No. I also remember we were 18 years old. Wow. Gossip was eight. I was 18 when gossip started. So there's something to think about. And I got a stylist after staying there. Like, if you look at the stay away control video, if you look at that outfit I'm wearing, it's two t-shirts sewn together. Did you sew them yourself? Yeah. Like, I couldn't even afford a black dress. And then with a piece of blue jersey right here. Because it's like... That's what I had. Like, that was the access to the world I had. Like, we didn't sign to a label. We were a touring punk, gross punk band. I didn't know that people really built their images. I I mean, I knew that, like, probably people, like, in sync or something. But you must have wanted to create an image with the way that you you sewed that together. Or, like, did you just not care about what you looked like? It was, like, it was so punk for you to just not give a shit about what it is you looked like. Because you had an image, like you had a style, no? Let's change the word image for vision. Okay. But I was only capable of so much doing it by myself, you know? Yeah. The thing that was so punk and cool, I think, about those years is like being around people like the Yeah and White Stripes and like uh, the Kills, like in coming from that whole time, we weren't from this, none of us were from 
necessarily the same scene. We're all from different cities. Yeah. But like coming from that time was like everybody was just doing their own shit. Nobody, like people were just in bands. Nobody was really thinking about, I want to, you know, you were of course thinking about like, I want hair like, you know, I want hair like Jen Jet. I want, I want hair like Peggy Moffat. I want to look like, I want Diana Ross's hair. You were thinking things like that. You know, you're like, I want that pink flamingos red dress or pink, yeah, red dress. But you, you weren't like, there was no, what's the word you're looking for? Where you're, it's like, there was no intended. Collective kind of constructed image. No. No. And to the point that even like when we were doing the solo project together, like, you know, my manager, I hate saying my anything, my band, <laughs> you know, like, but my manager, I call her my friend at church. She's like my closest friend. It's like, everything is just like, I couldn't be around people that didn't let me do whatever the fuck I want to do. And I think that's part of the problem. But, and the thing too, people are always like, you don't give a shit. And I'm like, no, I I give a lot. I care a lot, but I care about different things. Like I care about my scene and I care about community and I care about, you know, doing the right thing. I just don't care about what is, it's just, if I don't care, I don't care. That's what you know. But I feel like you care about collaboration. You care about other creatives being able to kind of exercise that you know what i think was the funnest part about it is that because before i was anti-stylist and like i was like i'm not you should ask katie graham the story sometime about trying to get me to come out and do that pop shoot i tried to cancel the day before like and i live on the the west coast like tried to cancel going to new york like tried to cancel was that the cover the love cover no not the cover it was the one before the, the love cover this is for pop before that oh uh, the pop one okay it was the first Big photo shoot I'd done. Like, I tried to cancel that. Was it the Stephen Klein one? Yeah. And she was like, what? She, like, lost her mind. But because I learned from that photo shoot how to open my mind up to designers and stylists and photographers and to not what my vision is important, because that's not, that's why photo shoots are fun. And I think I like to work with photographer. Like, I really like photo shoots is because now I've learned to be like, it's not about me. But And that sounds so much like when you hear Kate Moss talk about her role in the industry is that she is kind of, she's a contributor to so much of like fashion imagery and fashion history and all of the things that feed into that creativity that she's a part of is the stylist the hair that you know the hairdresser the makeup artist and she is kind of part of that overall machine that's kind of how she talks it's very yes I actually learned from her how to pose in pictures she taught me how to pose in pictures it changed my life I'm not kidding but like meeting her where was that though where where did Kate Moss teach you how to pose in pictures because I don't remember where we were <laughs> I feel like it was Camden <laughs> <laughs> if you were like Beth get to Camden I'd be like I don't know how (laughs) I don't remember where we were but I remember her being like this is how you take a picture and showing me how to do this (laughs) and then put my leg out (laughs) this like that and then put my leg out and then put one hip out oh my god incredible I tried it and I was like oh (laughs) and like oh chin down hip out one leg out and like this the funny thing about that is Kate Moss doesn't need to do that yeah but for me specifically, it created a silhouette that I had never even thought about before. That's another thing is that I was so shitty about models and stuff like that. I mean, of course, it's a problematic industry, but every fucking industry is. Like, I don't, like, when people like to talk to me about stuff, they're like, how can you work in fashion? I'm like, fuck, how could I work in music? How could I work? How could I be working? You know, if I was a fucking secretary, no one's like, how do you do that? 
And I'm like, no, that's weird. It's sexist and it's homophobic. And I will say that till the day I die. Yeah. Every industry's got that shit. Yes. Hold that thought. We'll be right back after this. This podcast is brought to you with Vestiaire Collective. That's French for shared wardrobe to you and me. The leading global platform for pre-loved fashion. With a community of over 9 million fashion activists buying and selling pieces from each other. If you don't know them, now's the time to check out their circular fashion movement. Download the Vestiaire Collective app and use my special promo code HENRY at the checkout for 20 quid off when you spend just 150. Full T's and C's on vestiairecollective.com. You can thank me later. I want to talk to you about the love cover. I'm sure you're bored of talking about it, but I think it kind of covers... No, I love talking about everything. Okay, good. But I kind of, I think it's interesting to talk about your covers in general. You've done, is it five covers naked? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm always naked. <laughs> I'm always naked. This is testing my, my research. But I think the first one was the enemy cover where you had the... Yes. The kiss marks, right? That's a fact. So how did it feel doing that first naked cover? Were you petrified? Were you into it did you like the kind of message it was portraying and what was the message was there i think i was more afraid of people painting into my crevices okay you know what makeup artists yeah (laughs) and just being like this is before i worked with andrew you know and now it's just like the shit me and andrew have been through together in and out inside and outside of makeup and stuff just like in life but like that would be the worst least of my problems but but just talk like just talking about your collaboration with like these incredible creatives like your relationship with Andrew who's Andrew Gallimore and your relationship with Lindell which has been such a long-standing like friendship and relationship and image creation between the three of you so much about what's built your image quote-unquote which I think is a really important thing it's like I remember being around people saying, we've got the best team. And I was like, and you're like, it's a pretty good team. It's a great team. Bold words, but good team. <laughs> you know, but like, I, but then like when we would be backstage at stuff and it would be like gossip and Lindell and Andrew and like me and, then, and with us comes like, <laughs> and I remember one time we went to this fancy ball that Mark Ronson had invited us to. And this is like way after staying in the way of control because we were working with him on a different record. Yeah. And we got out of the car, like got out of the van or whatever the hell it was. To the, like it was an actual like glitzy thing. And some, I think one of the security guards said, we know who Bethino is, but who are the rest of these drugged up weirdos? <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about that. And you that, were like, it's my team. That's my team. But the thing is, is none of us were fucked up. We were just, <laughs> we were always having fun. And like, being backstage at festivals and stuff and like being like yeah. being the crew that you feel like shook things up a little bit, maybe got on people's nerves just because we were loud. But the crew that everybody backstage wanted to be a part of and everyone was like, who's that? I want to hang out with them. I doubt it. <laughs> I think people were a little embarrassed for us. Well, I did. <laughs> oh my God, you are free. Everyone's free to join our party. That's the thing is like, we just have, like, we have so much fun. But Lindell and I have been together there's so much. I mean, to the point, like her nieces call me auntie, like, and Andrew too, his nephew calls me auntie. I send them, you know, whatever. But like, we're really close and we're a family. But do you remember the first time we met was at the Brits and Lindell dre- and I 
and I brought you a, an outfit that I'd made for you to wear that night in a paper bag. Yes. And Lindell dragged <laughs> you over through the chairs of all those white, homophobic, racist men in suits. And I was like, I've got your outfit. It's here. <laughs> and I was like, get out of here, you. <laughs> I, was, I was kidding. I was like, who is this rag doll flopping around with a paper bag? <laughs> I was probably so fucking happy to see you. I mean, I've never been invited to anything like that since. I don't know why. (laughs) But (laughs) um, Those relationships really kind of um, help with the authenticity of what you do in terms of like image and fashion and that kind of thing. Wait, I was going to say something too. That outfit that you brought to me at the Brits though. Yes. Was one of my favorites. Because you, I don't know if you, I went through a big jumpsuit phase. And I, that's all I wanted to wear. Very easy to pack. Yes. And I wore that thing to the point that there were holes in the knees. I wore it <laughs> everywhere. I wore it so much. And that there's a picture still, it's one of my favorite. Because I was like, my life is different than it used to be. <laughs> but I'm wearing these one Karen Walker sunglasses that I kept for years. Because they were enormous. Yeah. And that jumpsuit. And then just like four flutes of champagne. I'm like, what? Like I've got a like Richie. Ri- I know you're doing a big star jump as well. Same, yeah, same yeah. You were so happy. God, I loved that suit. That was my favorite outfit ever. Oh no, thank you for that. Have I ever said that? Yeah, thank you. I think you said right there and then when I gave you that paper back. <laughs> when you were like, <laughs> "Thanks, please." <laughs> this better be chicken. I'm going to take you back to the love cover just because I think from a, a pivotal moment in terms of, I mean, you were already this, you know, iconic musician, you know, the gossip had had like the big hits by that point. Darling icons, many sugar babes, sugar babes. <laughs> babes. But then that love cover, like the Matt and Marcus, like it kind of propelled you into a different realm from a fashion perspective. Do you reckon? Did you feel that shift or did you feel like that was a moment? Yeah, the moment I think that changed everything. There were a few moments like that in music. It was the enemy. I mean, God, that was that was, that was probably like twenty years ago. Then you know, the enemy coolest. Yeah. Not the cover, but the coolest changed things in the craziest way. And then I think in terms of photo shoots, fashion, things like that, it was definitely actually pop with Katie. Right. And then love with Katie and we didn't know it was going to be nude right so so how did that conversation go they were just like let's just take that off and try it no we didn't have one to me like when you leave and you go get dressed and you're being really private about things it just like fucks up the flow yeah for me I need to I need to keep going so I don't want to go anywhere I'm like let's just get dressed right here let's do it right here yeah and so like if you're just naked all the time people just take pictures of you (laughs) (laughs) so I think Katie, I think Katie probably had the kernel in her head, but I didn't. Yeah. And so when we took it, it didn't even cross my mind. And then, then, yeah, then Katie called me and was like, have you seen it? You're naked. And I was like, oh, surprise. Did you ever see the billboard? I think she took a picture of it and sent it to me, but not in real life. I think that would have made me a little nuts. I don't like to see ever what you wish for, but I didn't, it was like, you know, like I don't have any of those magazines like I don't have them in my life you don't keep any of them no huh, uh-uh, no like sometimes I'll send them to my mom but like I just feel too so superstitious or something like I just I feel like it's just nicer to have your an image of yourself 
than an image of, you know what I mean? Like not in this deep, like not to be too fake deep about it, but like, actually, I think it kind of started with Charles and Estaz too, because that was the first show I'd been to. And I remember like seeing so many incredible looking people and like just wearing head to toe Primark (laughs) and like not even, it wasn't even a thing that I thought of, you know, like it never, I remember seeing it outside of a mulberry party once too, when, um, what's her name? Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. This is years ago. Collaborated with them. Katie Hillier. Yes. And yes. And then, um. We were kind of like, everybody's in there like schmoozing a little bit. And then I just went outside and I was smoking. And she came outside too. And we were just like, hey, girl. And then someone asked me like from like a magazine or something what I was wearing. And I was like, Primark? You know, it's like it. people ask that question, but it never dawned on me that it was a bad thing. Like I didn't know, you know, I was just like, that's where I got it. Because to me, Primark was fucking amazing. I was like, what the hell? How many stories is this? What? Like, I was like, kid in a candy store. <laughs> the first catwalk show that you went, you attended was Charles Anastas, right? Yeah. And he made me this these really great, amazing dresses that I did for one first uh, music for me and is on the back cover. They had this really beautiful sketch that he did on it. That's one of my prize positions too is a sketch that he made that's in, hanging on the wall. But like, like you know, like those people in the very beginning. And, and he was one of those people that I was around that I was like, I fuck fashion, blah, blah, blah. And he, I mean, he and his boyfriend the whole time were just like, <laughs> you know, I think something that you would ex- expect from me at the time. Yeah. But um, that was the first like show I'd been to. There's some sur- very surreal moments when you, when you realize that you're like two seats away from certain people that you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been at those kind of things. One time I was somewhere and I met Winston Churchill's grand, great grandson. And I was like, what the fuck is going on around here? Like <laughs> what the hell is happening? Everybody out of my way. This is like an actual cultural act. I'm like, you need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you have a bloodline to preserve. It was very crazy. Um, pop a bit. Love. The love that moment is like fashion. It was like, there's so much trust that you have with certain people. And people are like, do you feel tokenized? People have been like, well, do you feel like, like the enemy or Katie Grand was using you? And I was like, she, if she's using me, I'm using her just as much. You know, it's like, I owe, like, I think people look at you and you're like, they're like, oh, what a sponge just being wrung out over the toilet. And you're like, no, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I made that, it was, made the decision and it was really great. And also who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> you know. I was there. I made the decision. And then you went back and did another naked cover with them. Did you know that the second one was going to be naked? Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, I forgot about that one. With Tim. (laughs) (laughs) With Tim Walker, yeah. You were like, there were five. I was like, there were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she wanted to do the anniversary. And I knew it was going to be naked because I was, once again, painted head to toe pink. You really get comfortable. When you've done so many naked things, you you get real comfortable with people just like painting inside of things. Because I was painted head to toe pink. Like a little piglet. I was going to say, like, what were you thinking when you're stood on set naked? Because they're not like small sets. They're not like three people on set. They're like, that's a big ass team of people staring at you and looking at you on screen and every shot kind of coming in and tweaking your fringe or your hair or your, your eye or whatever. It's just 
you, did you get to a point where you were just comfortable with that? I think, it, you know, when we were talking about like when if there's a room full, there's a room full of balloons and I'm jumping from one to the other, bouncing off of them and you're underneath them and making sure that everything looks good and is okay. That's how I am at photo shoots too. I'm just like, like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I just don't, hmm, I don't think about it. Like, I think that like, really, I think it's funny is when you say that, I'm like, oh, maybe other people were like, she's just sitting there naked. And I'm like, anyway, so my mom adopted a dog. It turns out it's a skunk, you know, like, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no idea. She, yeah, does she know she's naked? <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> what about the reaction to the cover when it came out? Like, because I feel like that was it was a big deal. Which one? There was a lot of conversation. I mean, especially when I was doing this research about today, there's like there's a lot of conversation that comes up about the cover and like you know you being naked and your size and obesity. Yeah, and some but so many people using that cover as a moment and sort of questioning what it says and like what the messaging was and it's kind of yeah. Does that piss you off? Is that just like I was creating an image and like that image was something that's beautiful I think of it less as an artist but like as a social thing like where you think I'm 39 as your elder I just want to say <laughs> I'm 39 years old I gossip started when I was 18 years old I've been doing this for 21 years mm. I think and I'm not like I'm a career whatever but I mean like it's been a long time and I've lived in this body for 39 years mm. number one you have to know whose opinions mean something to you yeah that's something i've always known about myself it's like when i was like i was telling you it goes back to being a kid and you're being like well i know those people aren't going to be my friends they've made it very clear yeah so i'm not even going to say fuck off to them i'm just going to be like i guess we're talking cheese as you say over there one of the quotes that i found when i was reading into you is that you you, you only have 100 percent control of what you think of yourself it's real. Think about that. Like my mom taught me that when I was a kid, like we grew up poor, you know, my mom, there were set, there's seven of us, you know, not Catholic, just set, just Southern and poor and bored. It's like when you grow up like that, really, you just learn really, and gay, you know, I knew I was gay really young. So like, how old? I would say like four or five, five, you know, like wow. 80s movies always had tits in them. And I just remember Remember how Chippendales was a thing? I was talking about this to my friend recently, who's gay. And we were talking about, to me, I think this is a common phrase, but like like a dick is like looking at an elbow to me. I don't, <laughs> I genuinely don't. And I've always felt like that. I've, I'm not like grossed out. I'm not like, yeah. but I'm not like, it's like to me, I'm like, okay, next. What else are we going to see here? I love elbows. <laughs> <laughs> You do love elbows. I have a lot of time for elbows. You love elbows here, there. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Put it on my cheek, put it on my eyelid. Oh. But also, like, I think going back to what we were talking about with, it's really hard, by the way, I just want you to know, I've had to really learn not to ask about other people in interviews because. Oh, go for it. But you know what I mean? I'm like, anyway, so when did you know you were gay? <laughs> yeah. But I'm serious. It's like it sets you up for a, of, of accepting a difference. Either you have, either you can, and there you know that there are going to be people that you're never going to be able to get along with or relate to, or if you do, it's not going to be. You can't take it for granted, you know. 
you can't like or something I don't know if that's a relationship to being queer, but I was brought up in a, with a similar mindset from my mom about being queer completely. It was just like it just was like who you were and who we were. I mean, she's it was just an elbow. Yeah, it was just an elbow. No big deal. Is your mom a big Liz? No, she's a she's a big fag hag. Oh my god, I love it. When I was twelve years old, before I came out, my mom had T-shirts made for all of her friends that had a photograph of her on them, and then at the top it said Stephanie Holland, and underneath it said Gay Icon, and she made twelve of her friends wear them to Gay Pride March. Because she decided she wanted to be a gay icon and she was like, where better to be birthed as a gay icon than Pride March? <laughs> that makes me, she's like, we're starting the campaign. And I was like, okay, that that's great for you, but maybe not in front of all of my friends at my 12th birthday. We can, you know, keep that weird shit at home. You're like, you know? yeah. I mean, they already call me a puff the whole time. Yeah, because at a certain <laughs> point you're like, mom. <laughs> Can you just yeah. make a cake like other moms and put candles on it? Does it like? Can you not make this about your ambitions? Your gay, your gay icon ambitions. To me, also, I always considered it as being like I you. I have to connect it to as being a part of the process. Like all these people were teaching me fat positivity and like teaching me body acceptance. I was always a fat kid. Always, my mom used to say I was a fat baby. Like always and at a certain point you know it stops being cute and then it becomes a problem yeah. you know like other people treat you like a problem you're not like this chubby little baby anymore you're a fat kid do you remember that point do you remember that switch in people's like approach to you yeah absolutely yeah like they're because parents are trying to protect you right so you know it's like i think this is like this with a lot of gay parents too they're not homophobic they don't have a problem with you being gay they're so afraid of how people are going to treat you you hear that a lot i think it's like that with being fat too they're not the same but they parallel and a funny and then in a few ways it was never about changing people's minds about me you know like and it's like okay you can't be everyone's favorite band you can't be everyone's you know no you know you can't be everyone's best friend you can't live to please people it's not living. And the whole point to me for like, there were so many political things. And part of it was body acceptance and positivity and beauty standards. And all of these words have become kind of diluted in, in like popular digital, like mainstream culture. And like, they stopped to like, they don't really have an underground meeting anymore. And that's because the world is visible everywhere. So like, you don't have to be edited by anybody. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can show whatever you want. And so like then though, it wasn't quite the same. I guess it feels good to have contributed to this massive, no pun intended, massive movement. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing too, is have a sense of humor about yourself. Like so many things, it's just like, you've got to think, you've got to laugh. You've got to fucking laugh it off or you're going to be miserable. And I think that's the thing. But back then there was no Lizzo. There was no Ashley Graham. Yeah, what do you think about Lizzo? Like the way that she's kind of become accepted and like become so mainstream so quickly. Do you feel like that is a result of certain things that you and others before you have done? I think that all of us are contributing to this awesome thing. But also, you know, Lizzo is a black woman. Yeah. A black fat woman. And her path is something that I, I, me as a white fat woman can't relate to. You know, I can relate to her, but I'll never really be able to understand 
what she has completely gone through. But what I can understand is that feeling of being out on a limb and being the person that people are so comfortable to just try to tear down, whether it be like with medical jargon, you know, everyone's a doctor, everyone's a, you know, and then everyone is like a, a psychologist, you know, people are just fucking mean. But then I think I follow her on Instagram. I read her posts and they're really deep and they're really loving. And she has so many good things to say. And I, I think it's about time that that Lizzo is famous. I, I want her to be the biggest star in the world. Like I really, I can't, I feel, but I do, how do I feel? I'm just like, I can't wait. I remember doing the, the photo shoot and people talking about Love Magazine and whatever. And then that time and me being like the first one and me being like, I can't wait to see what happens in 10 years. And then with Lizzo, I'm just like, I can't wait to see what happens in 10 years. I can't, you know, I can't wait to see what happens. When you're doing something, you don't do it for the moment. You don't expect change to happen overnight. You have to, you want it to, but that's not realistic. So you have to like do some, you have to put like, you have to be patient and it fucking sucks. I love that little girls and little boy, I love that kids are seeing Lizzo. You know, I love it. And I'm not, I mean, also it's like people are like, well, don't you make it mad that they're not talking about your talent? I'm like, I don't give a shit what they talk about. It's none of my business. What you say about me is none of my fucking business. Your fashion work has kind of like made people look about you in a, in a different world than just the music industry. And kind of that has pushed, pushed boundaries for the fashion world in a way that you've pushed boundaries in the music world. So like, I want to talk to you just really briefly about when you did the catwalk shows and you did like the Gautier show and you did Mark Jacobs and like just being in that environment. Cause I think being on a photo shoot as the star of the shoot is one thing. So like, you know, you're not surrounded by this whole. It's not about you. You know, people aren't like, can I get you something to drink? Yeah, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. Were you stood in a nude thong next to a clothing rail with your with your outfit on it? Or we did they kind of was it a slightly more personalized experience for you when you did when you did shows? How did that feel? I loved it. I loved it. Um I really enjoy makeup. I enjoy clothes. I enjoy hair. I love all that shit. If I wouldn't have done what I'm doing right now, which is all by fucking chance, like this none of this was planned, I would absolutely be a hairdresser. No doubt in my mind. That's what I would be. I would be. Really? Yeah. Probably behind a chair somewhere. Completely happy with it. So I think, but careful what you bitch for it. But yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. I love the talk. I love the talk. I love it all. I love being back there with the models and just seeing them like, you know, and thinking back to being a kid and being like, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. Like you see, or you're seeing people in their grind. Yeah. You know, people are fucking like busting ass and it's like. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's like the eyeliner needs to be straighter. You're like, well, then shut up and leave me alone. People are always so amazed at how quick the whole thing is. Like my parents still never got over the fact that I put like six months of work into like six minutes. And they were like, what are you doing this for? Yeah. Yes. And it's amazing. Like I love, ooh, I love it. Being a model, I would never say I was a model. That's like ever. You've watched shows. So like being a model in a show. I walked. Yeah. I walked. In uncomfortable shoes. Okay. <laughs> um, the Gaultier one was, you know, I got to sing and like do whatever. And like Gaultier is so sweet. Like he made my wedding dress. Shout out to divorce. But like we know each other and we love each other. Mark Jacobs, I don't know so well, but I love him very much. And the Katie knows him really well. And so it was that was more of a they were completely different vibes. For one, we were outside of a theater. So we were on a street, you know, like backstage was on a street. 
And with Gaultier, he owns that whole big building, you know, so there's lots more space in Paris, which is weird because it's usually the other way around. Doing the Mark Jacobs ones, it wasn't like, okay, here's a death moment. Woo! It was like, you're just walking. You know, no one knows you're here. You're not a finale. You're just in it. And I was like, I can't walk that fast. And your look, like your hair and makeup was very like trying to make it kind of not instantly recognizably you, I guess. It was kind of like, it, it wasn't your iconic kind of Betty Page fringe or your dark hair. It was like bleach brows, bleach hair, the whole thing. So it was very much just about you being part of the overall vision of that. The vision of it. Yeah, I think it was like this this whole like old-timey theater like da, 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 thing. Yeah. Yes. And that that's what felt different about it. And it felt fun and it felt exciting. You know, that's the other thing too, is I'm like, bleach my hair off. Okay, that sounds fucking awesome. Let's do this. Like shave my eyebrows off. All right. Yeah. Cool. You want to like make it look like I don't have nipples and tape my tits. I'm just like, all right. Pretty is awesome. And so is fucking gross. It sounds so fun. Like I like it all. But walking was very stressful because I had to walk very fast. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, really? Yeah, because all those models are fucking six feet tall. All the all their models' legs are like double the size. <laughs> yes. I was walking so fucking fast. I was, thought, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, this is the hardest I've worked in years. <laughs> and I have had a very easy life. So often when you work with people who are known outside of fashion, you know, like if you work with them on shoots, they're very particular about they know how they look good or they know what they want to look like. And so they like, well, I have my hair like this and I do my nails like this and I'll only wear this lip color and I need, and I need a, and a winged eye. Oh. Yes. Like there's certain girls who will come to a shoot, which would be a quote unquote fashion shoot. Therefore, you think it was this collaborative idea and, you know, all presenting this new concept. And they'd be like, well, I only wear my hair behind one ear and I need to have like a cat's eye and I only wear this color red lipstick. And you're like, OK, well, I, I guess a red lip. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll wear a mask. I guess we'll put on a, can will you wear this necklace then? Because or... <laughs> I could have saved myself a shit ton of money if I did just use somebody else. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm just going to turn around and put a picture on the back of my head and then put the hair over that. Your willingness to like give yourself over to that. Yeah, it's like part of the artistry, which you want people to buy into and be a part of, which I think is great. I don't remember people pleaser and I want yeah people that are there. Like when you're on a shoot and like I've, I've been on shoots where I was like, come on, good. Where, you know, it's like who died? And then you're like, you can you have two options. I read the first photo shoot gossip ever did. I was such a brat because it was that whole punk ethos thing. And then after that, I realized I was like, we can do this one of two ways. Yeah. Either you do this. You know, you're like there and you're like, I hate this. It's very sex pistols. Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but they're there. You know, and I can either do it like that or I can just be like, why don't we make this easy on everybody? And there's something really awesome when you're working with a stylist, especially when they're young. And like when you're working with them or like an artist, a makeup artist or something, and they're like, well, I've always wanted to try this. And you're like, go for it, girl. <laughs> like fucking do it. I mean, in a way, that's what modeling is. It's like you're not there 
I mean, I mean, unless you're Naomi Campbell or fucking Kate Moss, like it, it's like you are there. It's like there's certain actors that when they're acting, you know, it's them, but you kind of forget it's them because it's transformative. And that's what's special about certain people. Yeah. But, but there's other actors where you're like, they're really famous. And the only reason they're in it is because they're famous and the whole time they're acting, but really they just, you're the same character all the time, but they're famous for some reason. And it's just like Jennifer Anderson. <laughs> I've never heard any, I never have never said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with Jennifer Aniston in it. Well, it's just like watching Friends, but 10 years later, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> you little shit. It's like, oh, look, Rachel's in a different set with different people. We've talked about like fashion being like, you know, the creative art form and being a part of the whole concept and all of that. But how does it work for you like day to day? Are you dressing up in quarantine? Like, do you care? Do you give a shit? Is it is it is it comfort? Is it about how you feel? Oh, yes, there she is. I'm not even wearing a bra. <laughs> like some days I do just to make myself feel better. Well, that's what I mean. Like some days I dress up because I need like today's my birthday. So I put on a sweaty shirt yeah you do have beautiful skin it's botox it's botox when's the last time you got it oh quite a while ago i know you can't get it during quarantine he really went for it i was like just really go for it and then i got a bit it looks really good it looks great i i get it here but i haven't had it in a long time i get it right here and right here but so you so you do use it i just um yeah that's the thing too is like you know when you're like yeah i have so much to say about that anyway yes so you do use fashion to like make yourself feel better or like change how you feel like in your everyday life as well as your work life yeah i think oh no is it is it is it important to you is it important to like your well-being like hmm. no no because for me Hmm. I love getting dressed up. The older I get, the less makeup I wear, unless we're playing shows or something. But, um, hmm. you know, like used to, I used to have like an Amy Winehouse ah, and no eyebrows just to go to the grocery store. You know, just like, and now I can't be fucking bothered. Like, I just, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like... So, but as long as you've done it and you've and you've experienced that and you've gone through that, I think that's the fun part. I yeah, and I will again. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there will be a different phase of that. But that's the beauty is just that like one of the saddest things I ever. This is so silly, but since we've been in quarantine, I've been watching like musicians like interviews and stuff a lot. Hmm. And one person, that because I'm obsessed, I love David Bowie so much. And I was reading an interview and I was just so sad to hear him talk bad. And I'm sure it wasn't completely serious about his bad haircut choices from the past. Because I was like, yeah, you know, you just want him to be like, I mean, not like I was disappointed. I was like, really, Dave? Come on. But I was just like, oh, I really was hoping for, uh, you know, like, I, you know, I, the, my, my decisions were so good at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because everything deserves something, you know, I really, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was like, huh. Yeah. But just a little bit, I was surprised, I think. But it, I think going through back and forth, you know, I love people, like when I think about Pam Hogg, I'm always just like, or like Princess Julia. Yes. Those two never go to bed in something that's not fucking incredible. You know what I mean? 
Like, and that's not me. Yeah. I've seen Pam Hogg at the chip shop outside my house and she is fully powdered face, yellow hair, eating chips with her own bottle of white wine. She's a legend. That's awesome. I'm too lazy. I don't like to feel constricted. I don't like, you know, like my friend once was like, tight closer for your 20s. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that does it feel like work for you as well? It feels like, because that's kind of stuff that you did when you were working, no? That's a really good question. I never thought about it. I feel that way when people ask me to go to shows. I'm like, look, I don't show up to your work. <laughs> I don't come down to your office and ask you if you want to come over to my I, office. I don't sit on your desk and start singing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. But like, I, I, that's a good question. I'm really going to think about that, actually. That's like a deep therapy question. I'll tell you a, what a big part of it is. is like my whole life, hmm. starting really young, took good care of my skin. In this way, maybe I think because as a kid, it was like, I, you know, people would be really nice to me, give me compliments about the way I sing. But even as a teenager, people would be really nice about my skin because I was just a lucky kid that had clear skin. My mom was like that too. And I, I think part of it now is being older. It's like getting older. It's just like, I don't want that shit on my face. Yeah, comfort just becomes a more important factor, I think, as you get older. You don't need to please anybody else anymore. You're just like, I just... Yes. And there's no proving yourself. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm not Lee Bowery. I'm not going to safety pin my titties up <laughs> to my ears. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Oh, well, thank you so much, Beth. That's so amazing. We've had such good chats about everything thank you so much for joining me beth love you honey bye-bye and thank you to everyone for listening if you liked what you heard let me know and if you didn't keep it to yourself i'm gonna go and have a quick look at the vestiaire collective app and see if i can find something ridiculous to wear for next week's show If you download the app, make sure you use my promo code for 20 quid off when you spend 150. Just add Henry at the checkout. You're welcome. In a bit. (laughs) 